श्रीला गुरुदेव की जय श्रीमान महाप्रभु की जय श्री हरिनाम संकीर्तन की जय श्री द्वारसी की जय गौर भक्तवृंद की जय गौर प्रेमानंद हरिगो सो गुड मॉर्निंग टू ऑल ऑफ यू एट लीस्ट फ्रॉम हियर इन कोस्टरिका फ्रॉम माधुबन गुड आफ्टरनून गुड इवनिंग गुड नाइट वट एवर यू मे बी देर एम थैंक यू वेरी मच फॉर योर एसोसिएशन एंड प्रेजेंस एंड टूडे वी आर कंटिन्यूंग विथ आवर सीरीज ऑफ लेक्चर्स ऑन साधाचार मारियाद वैष्णावा दिकेट वैष्णाव दिकोरम and discussing the role of rules and love in the life of sadaka or the role of rules in the loving project that is sadaka like the life of a sadaka constitutes so well today our second meeting let's make as usual some brief review brief summary of what we were Uh, speaking about in our previous lecture the first one which was an introduction to the whole series and an introduction to the concept the very concept of what is vaishnava etiquette mm-hmm. and as you know we began by mainly uh, declaring or clarifying what vaishnava etiquette was not mm-hmm. that's an important way of indirectly speaking about what something is and well of course we make this point very clear that we will find rules but these rules are there to promote a feeling to promote an emotion that's part of life in 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 mature stage in life we are ruled by emotions but mundane emotionality a certain stage there will come the use of our intellect and some rules for tame those emotions and give them shape in another type of project the spiritual project and eventually of course we will be thrown into the realm of bhav transcendental emotions so we could divide somehow or other the project in those three stages mundane emotions not that much of those emotions but not that much of bhav as well but mainly harmonizing head and heart and eventually all that done in a proper way we will be with welcomed into that realm of ecstatic feelings so we again mentioned that vaishnava uh, etiquette could be termed in sanskrit like sadachar proper behavior or honest hmm, decorum honest behavior way of conduct mariat hmm, how to do things in a most proper way at every moment and when i say proper we refer to those things which are anukul for krishna bhakti which give favorable which are favorable and give pleasure to hari guru vaishnavas and this vaishnava etiquette has a lot to do for or everything to do with uh, relationships how to relate with everything with everyone and with everything we, we divided these two possibilities how to properly relate with people all types of people but especially sacred people saintly people sadhus how to relate not only with sacred people but with sacred objects sacred um, paraphernalia so all this falls into also the realm of sambandha or, 
oriental concept, conceptual orientation of how uh, to properly conceive everything in connection to its source. Mm -hmm. And all in the context, again, of a favorable offering of ourselves through whatever we do, anukul, pleasing details. Mm -hmm. we, we emphasize that point, no? Sometimes we speak about principle and details, but here we will speak about details not as something <laughs> secondary or relative, but as something crucial that will make the difference. So, Vaishnava etiquette, we will see, it's not about getting neurotic uh, with details, but getting, getting absorbed in details, no? knowing how we can make a difference into our offering by investing all ourselves in those so-called details that will create the whole difference, if you will, in a favorable way. So also we mentioned how we are to incorporate these details or these uh, advices that we will find in the Vaishnava etiquette in a, as a gradual process, but all this has the intention and potential to become a whole lifestyle, a whole part of our identity, ultimate identity. In the beginning, it may come to our lives in the form of some scars, some impressions. Eventually, those put together will create habits, and eventually they will manifest a whole identity, which is goes hand by hand with the concept of lifestyle. So, Vaishnava etiquette has to do with building our Vaishnava project, our Vaishnava identity, with all these loving details. So we quoted a very nice verse when Mahaprabhu spoke with Sanatana Goswami, who is known as the Acharya of Achar, or the Mariad Acharya in our Gaudiya Sampradaya. Mahaprabhu himself uh, instructed him in that regard, empowered him in that regard to write about it. And of course, Mahaprabhu himself shared this verse that we quoted when he mentioned how Mariad... Hmm, is part of the, he says, Bhaktatapi Bhakta Shrabab Mariada Rakshan. The nature of the, of the Bhakta, of the devotees, he will protect Mariad, he will maintain, he will take care, nourish Vaishnav etiquette, and that will eventually become Sadhura Bhushan, the ornament of the Sadhu. That which enhances the beauty in, in one's saintly behavior, that's called Mariada Vaishnava etiquette. And of course, Mahaprabhu himself gave very powerful example of this through his own example, Krishna's Anacharya Lila. We especially emphasize the third verse of Sikshastakam, which has a lot to do with how to practice, how to conduct ourselves in our daily life, in our chanting, which should go hand by hand with our daily life. As my Guru Maharaj will say, Your sitting should nourish your walking, and vice versa. And we also mentioned how we are not experiencing the full details of the full potential of, of bhakti because of aparad, very, very probably. So how to avoid aparad in our practice? This third verse of Sikshastakan has a lot to do with that. And that's a very summarized, encapsulated way of speaking about Mariad or Vaishnava etiquette, and the codes of behavior, the rules, the quorum for the devotee. Hmm? And we ended our last class also mentioning the concept of Niyamagraha, how we should be careful of not indulging in it when embracing the Vaishnava etiquette. We should not, Niyamagraha has twofold meaning, concept given by Rupa Goswami, which means to reject all rules and regulations in a whimsical way, not follow anything at all, or to follow even every single rule externally, but without a feeling without an understanding at least of why we are I'm doing this why should I be doing this so just do it mechanically so that may take to binashati says Rupa Goswami that may create
create harm in our devotional project. So again, the idea is the rules should invoke love, so they are to be followed in a certain way, and we should at least understand in theory all this long list of rules and advices are not there to limit me, but to, on the contrary, allow me to expand all my potential and become the best available version of myself. And, and we are practitioners of Raghavakti, although some Bhakti Bhakti may be there in the beginning in the form of Ajata Ruchi Raghavakti, but mainly Raghavakti, which means to follow in the footsteps of the Brajavasis, and of course naturally that will extend to follow in the footsteps of Sri Guru, who is a Brajavasi, <laughs> so he's residing in that place, in that state of consciousness. So, Vaishnavatikit and Raghavati has not too much to has not to do with performing vows and taking and following rules, but you love someone and you will follow that person you love and whatever that person is doing or what he likes or dislikes or she likes or dislikes, we will align with that. So in this those will be our rules. Anukulyas Sankalpa Pratikulyasabarjanam. So ideally this Vaishnava etiquette has to do with this. We will follow because there are so many rules and so many things that so many people say, but we have our Sadhus, we have the persons who have captured our heart, and we will follow in their wake, in their mood, and the details will be adapted according to their taste, which has to do with a particular expression of the Absolute coming to us. So that's a brief summary of what we explained during our previous lecture, introductory one. And I mentioned that today we will we will start speaking by speaking about... Um, our relation with Guru and Sadhus and so on. But in between that, some points came and some dialogues and discussions online and some exchanges of messages came that make me to think about speaking about something else before, if, with your permission, of course. <laughs> and of course, we, we may continue with that next class. Hopefully, let's see, who knows at this point. <laughs> but I would like to share some words and, and, and my Guru Mahesh said something uh, yesterday about the idea of Vaishnava etiquette, of course, but also in connection to the idea of Vedic culture. So what's the role of Vedic culture? Because some of the things that we may see as part of the Vaishnava etiquette may be uh, construed or misconstrued that part of the particular culture, Vedic culture, someone may say Indian culture, so how to separate what's cultural relative issues and, and what's the role of Vedic culture and, and, and how that, what's eternal, what's impermanent in all that, and so on. So I think it's important to, to speak a little bit about that to begin with, and we will speak in further in other classes as well about aspects of, of, of this point, like dress and so on. So I, I'm mentioning this because I, I do not plan to, to address every single detail today about Vedic culture and things like that, but I consider it important to share some some ideas to know how to properly embrace Vaishnava etiquette. So again, now some since we spoke about Mahaprabhu, just in my summary of previous class, he's the one who established Raganuga Bhakti. He came to preach Raganuga Bhakti in the world. Raghamarka Bhakti Loki Korite Pracharan says Chaitanya Charitamrita. Mahaprabhu came to give. Raga Bhakti to the world. 
And again, someone may misconstrue the idea of Raga Nuga Bhakti like no rules. No? Bhakti Bhakti has to do with rules, Raga Bhakti has to do with no rules at all. But the point is that we find that Mahaprabhu himself, he gave Raga Bhakti to the world. And he, of course, experienced a, a, a unique way of, of, of that, if you will. Um, he followed the rules of Vaishnava etiquette very strictly, especially if we speak about himself as a sannyasi, Sri Krishna Chaitanya. In certain star, in, in every single thing he was doing, he was exemplary, as you may know. I won't enter into the detail of all the many lilas and how Mahaprabhu followed that strictly, but just mentioning a brief of those cases, we have, for example, the famous case of Chotta Haridas. He, he was just a, a young renunciant and he was begging rice from an old lady, Madhavi Devi, and, and someone else asked him to do that. He was not begging for himself. And Mahaprabhu heard about he doing that, connect, interacting with a woman, with a lady on some level or another, and he banned Chota Haridas from his association, very strictly speaking. But again, he wanted to make a point about how sannyasis to behave according to the codes of that order, or how Mahaprabhu reacted to Prataparudra Maharaj, for example. You know, he was the king of Puri and he wanted, he had desired to see Mahaprabhu. No? When Mahaprabhu went to Puri, hmm, uh, Prataparudra Maharaj was not there. Mahaprabhu converted Sarvabhoma Vatacharya and the whole city and then left the, for his South Indian journey. And then Prataparudra Maharaj came to Puri and found the whole city converted to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So he was wondering, what's this? He wanted to meet Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu returned after like two years. And when he returned, he denied the, the audience to the king because he said the king is the personification of mundane existence, position, fame, power. I am a sannyasi. have nothing to do with him and so on. So he followed. Very, of course, eventually he gave the darshan to Prataparudra Maharaj. But he had to observe, that's the point, certain considerations according to Desha Kalapatra. He was Krishna. He's Acharya Lila. So, of course, again, we are not fo- we are not living nowadays. Most of us, of all of us, basically, especially in Western countries, in a society that even may have glimpses of Vedic society, and we know, of course, that the Gaudiya Vedanta conception transcends the the the, the, the Barn Ashram, which sometimes Vedic culture is so much connected to. But also, I wanted to share one point that I think it's important to at least. Uh, contemplate and allow on some part of our prospect, which is we should understand that we are okay, we are at present not living in the Vedic culture, we are not inhabiting traditional Vedic culture, we are there is no Barnashram system, there those sensibilities are not in our DNA, contemporary DNA, but also in our practice we are projecting ourselves eternally to the Nitya Lila, both in Brach and in Navadvip, Golok Brindavan, Nitya Navadvip. And interestingly, the Lila expresses itself, plays itself out in the context, in the social cultural context of Barna Ashram, of Vedic culture, if you will. So there is a place for it not to be rejected absolutely in every single level by us. And, 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 and to understand some of those advices or rules not necessarily as something totally relative. So I will try to, to speak a little bit about this. No? Because for us, for us as Gaudias, uh, the concept of Vedic, I will say it's mainly connected to, 
what we may call Arya, Arya, sometimes in English called Aryan, the Aryan race or so on. But of course, Arya means someone who has high knowledge of higher values in life, higher truth. And that's connected for us to the time Krishna appeared, what it meant, and especially to the, let's say, renaissance that Mahaprabhu brought into the world in the light of the Srimad Bhagavatam, which Magurmash will term as the New Testament of the Vedic revelation. So all, all that is Vedic for us as Gaudias, no? in, in that particular line. But also the idea of Vedic, something being Vedic, is more connected to the Vedas, of course, the four Vedas. And the Vedas, the main emphasis found in the four Vedas is Karma Kanda, as you know. Trigunya Vishaya Vedanis Trigunya Babarjuna, says Krishna Tvarjuna. You have to transcend that, because Karma Kanda laid emphasis on, on the Gunas and fruitive activities. And Barnatram, in the context of Karma Kanda, so in that sense, we generally do not consider ourselves as Vedic, or we do not present ourselves at least as 100% Vedic, but as Gaudiya Vaishnavas, as followers of Uttam Bhakti, as Srila Rupa Goswami uh, presents itself, such a concept, and so on. Mm. I'm mentioning this because, again, when we speak about Vaishnava etiquette, some of these things will appear in the, in the way. Mm. So the classic classical question will be there. No? Why... <clears throat> So the point is, should so I, I can I want to be a devotee of Krishna. So why should why do I have to subscribe to Vedic sensibilities hmm? or Indian customs? So that's an important point. Sometimes the idea of Vedic and Indian becomes converged, and not that that's not necessarily the case. Hmm? Because one may say bhakti is it's not external, it's not dependent on anything anything external. It's a matter of internal. Uh, mood, if you will, intention, bhava, hmm? and Krishna is only pleased with one's bhava, nothing else. Hmm? We know bhava, grahi, janardana. Krishna is only taking the essence of one's offering. Hmm? But it's important to understand certain features if someone comes with such a purva paksha, such a argument, if you will. Sorry. So we could say that when we speak about Krishna, let's say the absolute, absolute reality, that has mainly, we, we may speak in terms of two expressions of the absolute, personal and impersonal. Generic, specific, use the term you like, but mostly those. So for example, yogis, jnanis, they will strive for impersonal, mostly realization. They do not have a personal relationship with the absolute, so they do not follow. They do not need to follow any specific culture in which they will live after liberation. You follow my point. If you want Brahma Sayuja, there's no cultural sensibilities there. There's no one there. <laughs> there's no culture, no sensibilities, no people, no sense of individuality. So you won't have to be concerned about how how it will be there in that sense. But in the case of devotees, bhaktas, we follow the path of not an impersonal, abstract sense of divinity, but very specific, personal one. For example, we have the... Even with Paramatma, what to speak of Brahman, even with Paramatma, Srila Jiva Goswami makes this distinction in his Paramatma Sandarbha. He mentions, no, between Paramatma and Bhagavan, there is a big difference. 
Of course, we are, we are speaking about the same absolute, Brahmeti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavaniti, Sabjate, but Paramatma, as we know, is in everyone's heart, is ruling over Maya Shakti, Tatasta Shakti, is Antaryami, is non discriminatory, is impartial, is equal to all, hmm? controller, regulator of the universe. No? That's his role, the one who is, who is moni monitoring one's karma and so on. That's Paramatma. But we have Bhagavan on the other side, who is a pretty specific and personal God, quite in, only interacting with his Swarup Shakti. And he is discriminating between devotees and non-devotees. He has the likes and dislikes. He has a culture in which he expresses his Lila. Krishna makes this difference when he speaks in the Gita. He says, Sammoham sarbabhutisu namme dvesistina priya jibayantit mam bhaktya maitatisuchapyam. The first two lines, Paramatma is speaking. I am equal to all. I do not favor. I am not in favor on, against anyone. And then he says, But those who render bhakti to me, I, I feel especially inclined towards them. So the very first line speak Paramatma. Then Bhagavan shows divine partiality, if you will. So my point is that Paramatma is impartial. Still is some form of generic expression of divinity, while Bhagavan is pretty specific. And I'm not speaking yet about Braj Krishna, because Bhagavan entails so many forms of, 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 of the personal Godhead. So what to speak of Braj Krishna in Vrindavan, as we will, not, we will see. So Bhagavan entails a specific form, personal form of God, specific likes and dislikes, some of which are culture, cultural, if you will, arise in the context of the Brajavasi culture, if you will. <clears throat> so we cannot apply the principles of Paramatma to Bhagavan. Again, Paramatma is universal, has no preferences, Bhagavan does have them. So, and going back to the idea of Bhakti as Anukul, as we spoke yeah, the other class, no? Bhakti means, I want to do those things that are pleasing to the object of my affection. And that's Seva, Anukul Seva. So, <clears throat> and it's important to understand Krishna has some likes, again, has some dislikes. And, of course, this is not just a matter of course. Krishna likes to use some, whatever, clothes. I put that clothes and I immediately engage in Anukul Seva. I, I, I'm not saying that point. Now, you cannot just attain Bhagavan by wearing a specific dress or adopting particular aspects of Indian culture, Vedic culture, hmm? But it's important to understand this point. If we speak about devotion, bhakti, mark, there are two. We may speak also in terms of two types hmm, of devotees: one who want to have a very specific relationship with Bhagavan, and those who are not so inclined to do so. As we know, some of them may want to be in Vaikuntha, or reside in the same planet as Narayan, meditate in him, but they are not so interested in a specific thing. Hmm? But there are those like us who want to have a very specific relation uh, to a with a very specific form of the Divine, such as Krishna in Vrindavan. And, and we should get acquainted to which is his mood. Who is he there at home, if you will? His behavior, his, his likes, dislikes. So we can align ourselves in order to render proper Anukul Seva, favorable services. So again, Krishna has some partiality, has for his devotees, likes, dislikes. He has an Abhiman, 
a sense of ident identity. He identifies himself as a gopa, as a cowherd boy. That's his ego in Braj, his identity. He's not identified there as a creator god, as you know, as the source of everything, universal administration. He's not maintaining the cosmos. His mind in Braj is very focused in the Brajavasis. Basically, he's not thinking about anything beyond that. Vishwanath makes that point in Raghavarman Chandrika. <clears throat> and in the context of that, he reciprocates in terms of, as I said, Vedic culture, which is in one sense the norm in this in the social norm, in the Lila. Hmm? So that's an interesting point. Again, even though we we may be living in a postmodern world and in a particular culture, at least in terms of our eternal projection, there is place for those sensibilities. Hmm? So one, one famous example in this connection is when, for example, you know these Yaknik Brahman, Brahmins which were executing sacrifice and, and some friends of Krishna went to, to them to ask for some prasad because they were hungry and these Brahmins were not even answering them. They were totally absorbed in a ritualistic, mechanistical way in following their rituals and they were not able to reply. No? It is said that when you say, Swaha Jagnyabai Vishnu, the fire of sacrifice is the mouth of Vishnu and Vishnu himself came to them in the form of his friends, if you will, saying, I'm hungry, feed me. But they were they were not able to connect no? the essence of the ritual with the form of the ritual they were performing with the essence that came personified to them. But the point is that eventually the wives of those Brahmins came and approached Krishna with food. And they surrendered to Krishna, interestingly. They said, to hell with our husbands. Now we surrender to you. But the point is, at that point, Krishna did not accept these Brahmin ladies in the same way as he accepted the cowherd girls in Vrindavan, the gopis. Why? Well, one, one, one explanation could be because according to Vedic culture, or we may call traditional Indian culture, if you will, not the present-day modern Indian culture, but traditional Indian culture, if you want to make a synonym with Vedic, according to such culture, a cowherd man, a gopa, <coughs> cannot have any type of conjugal relationship with a Brahmin girl, a Brahmin woman. No? According to such a sen cultural sensibilities, that's not a proper fit. Hmm? A Brahmin lady, a cowherd boy. Hmm? And Krishna didn't follow that. And that's why as Gaudiya Vaishnava, those who want to have a Madhurya, a conjugal relationship of service with Krishna, they are not aspiring to be born as Brahmin ladies in Braj, but as gopis, as cowherd girls. So the point is, again, try to get the point. Krishna has in, the ego of a cowherd boy in Braj. He's that. He's that identity. Outside of Braj, he has another ego. He has another name. He is another type of Krishna. Maturesh Krishna, Dwarakesh Krishna. But in Braj, he has that particular ego and we should gradually try to understand that and identify with that. <clears throat> And the point is, <clears throat> we should learn to identify with that here in our sadhaka deha, in our practice of sadhana. It's not that we will just be thrown there to Golok and there I have to try to digest that idea. We will reach there by properly dealing with this type of concepts. Mm -hmm. So we are again practicing Raganuga Bhakti. Raganuga has to do with 
very specific. We could call Raganuga Bhakti the, the path of a specific relation, relationship. It's very specific. So the service is done, of course, as, as Rupa Goswami says, Seva Sadaka Rupena Siddha Rupena Chatrahe. Hmm? Famous verse that describes main angas of Raga Bhakti. You serve Krishna with your physical body, your sadhaka deha, and with your aspired, mentally conceived spiritual body, siddha deha, siddha rupa. Hmm? And, and for engaging in, 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 in such, no, seva, you have to learn gradually, which are the customs, hmm? cultural sensibilities there. Of course, if you, if you do your service in your spiritual, internally, mentally conceived form, at, at some point of your practice, of course, not necessarily from day one, there we, you won't have any social restriction because all will be done in meditation. But to do seva in the physical body, of course, there may be some social restrictions. Again, we are not living in, uh, even we may not even live in a society or family which is supportive of bhakti. That may happen. So one, of course, needs to make the necessary adjustments in, the, in those cases. But also, one should keep in mind what's the goal. And, and, and which are which is the nature of the goal we are pointing. So again, which is the goal for us as Gaudiya Vaishnavas? We want to be with Krishna in Braj. We want to be with Mahaprabhu in Nadia. So it's important for us to understand him, Gaur Krishna, the same person, as a person. As we are persons and we want to be understood as such. And we want to, how to say, to be allowed to express our... Uh, individuality in a healthy way which will have certain tastes certain likes, dislikes, certain affinities and so on. Of course one thing is to have that in the conditioned uh, platform another thing is to express that in a fully liberated stage and that's what which we are speaking here the absolute himself has a personality has a particular inclination towards this and that. There is a particular setting so again there are details, and, and there will there are to be a, a, adjusted if you understand the principle. So the principle is this: our goal is that lila, that lila is characterized by certain sensibilities that we are to get acquainted with gradually if we are to enter there. Because if we do not get such a principle, then what will happen is that we won't be able to properly advance into that direction. And of course. As the argument said before, the most important thing in bhakti is bhava, the, the emotion, the feeling. But, as we know, that's something that most of us do not have yet. As Guru, my Guru Maharaj will say, it's not just about putting a t-shirt that may say, be in the bhava. Yes, you have to be in the bhava. <laughs> but by putting the t-shirt, that's, that's not enough udipana, enough stimulant. So... Bhava is the goal to achieve, as we know. Nitya siddhasya bhavasya. The goal of sadhana, as my Guru Maharaj said yesterday, is bhava. And the goal of bhava is prem, if you will. So, yeah, the most important thing is bhava, but we don't have bhava. So how to tame bhava means how to conduct ourselves in sadhana in that way. So, we may say... By following Vaishnava etiquette, we will see different details regarding, for example, deity worship, or even certain advice regarding taking prasad, or how to receive guests, or different forms of worship. We may say, 
all those rules are external to Vav. But actually, if, if properly understood and followed, they will be assistant to our reaching Vav. And that's the whole idea of this series of lectures. We, may sh we will share different rules and recommendations in the context of they being helpful in our attaining Vav. And again, some, for some of us, following some of these rules will be easier than others, and we shouldn't get go mad with that, but we should try to follow as much as we can by understanding properly what's the meaning of them, what's the purpose of them, how they will be favorable for our service to Guru and Vaishnavas, if we don't have Bhav. So imagine if you have Bhav, which means you have love, basically, if someone has Bab, the point is you will naturally do whatever is pleasing to Krishna. I mean, your own, your whole constitution will be drenched in that idea. So if you have Bab, how much you will be open to do that, whatever may be pleasing to Krishna. You will really live only for that. Mm -hmm. So if we don't have Bab, at least we have trying our best in that direction. So when I say, of course, that Krishna... Uh, has lives in Sri Krishna lives in a particular culture setting, and, and and that's present in terms of Vedic culture. I'm not saying Indian culture, so that's a different thing because sometimes we converge these two points, and we think what's Indian actually, because so many influences are there. But the point is, Krishna is not Indian. I mean, we are speaking about God, although Krishna is something concept beyond God. And as we know, it's a prakrita. It seems mundane. It seems full circle. We are going back here because God is free from all designation and partiality and Krishna is full of them. <laughs> but in a transcendental way in the context of Leela. So Krishna, as I say, is not Indian and he's not following modern Indian culture. And that's a very different thing. But also he's not Western. So we have to be careful <laughs> in both extremes. No, he, but he lives in the Leela again according to Vedic culture and customs. Those sensibilities are there in the Leela. So if we want to live with him, we need to know this culture. Again, that may be not a must and the greatest emphasis for every devotee now, but at least we should have that present in, in, in some part of our mind, heart, as part essential part of our prospect. Because I want to live with Krishna, there is a culture... He's in a specific form of the Absolute, the ultimate one for us. So I, I want to know that culture, those sensibilities, and follow them as much as possible, even in our modern settings, so I may get trained gradually to enter into that realm. It's, again, it's not that I do not care about that at all, and suddenly I'm thrown into Golubbin down, and I know how to deal with all of those things in detail. Hmm? Again, if we cannot follow some of those things because of our social situation, some whatever specific case, no problem. I mean, again, this is not to feel discouraged at all. But at least we should be aware of it. That exists. That has a role. There is a way of all those things being favorable. So we should be aware of it and we are respectful to it, not dismiss those things. But again, this doesn't mean to follow modern Indian culture. Nowadays, there are so many Indians who do not follow Vedic culture at all, and they are not our ideals. Now, Krishna Lila doesn't mean Bollywood or whatever other thing. <laughs> and an important point also to mention in this direction is when Krishna appeared in this world, uh, 
we say, okay, but he was born in India, so Krishna was Indian, but he appeared in a, on a part of the planet Earth that now is called India. Mm. He was not called India at that time. So sometimes we, we, we may engage in this historical presentism. From the present we analyze the past, but we do not travel in time to see the details of that time. So at that time, the Earth was not divided, actually, into so many countries as, as we know of today. Even in modern times, we know how in our own life so many countries changed and their names. So what to speak, thousands of years ago. For example, in India some 65 years ago, Pakistan was part of India 65 years ago, not now. Or 45 years ago, also Bangladesh was part of uh, Pakistan. But, so, but now there are different countries, Pakistan, Bangladesh, India... So now people from Pakistan and Bangladesh, they will not accept that Krishna was born in their country, if you will, which was India, let's quote-unquote India. No? They will consider Indian culture as foreign to them, but their forefathers are not thinking like that. <laughs> so we should be a little bit more flexible, even as, as, as you may know, when the earth uh, was created, quote-unquote, in, in the and uninterrupted cycles of creation and destruction, as you may say, as you may see in the map, the land mass was one unit. Now, when you see the shape of the different continents separated, if you try to join them, they perfectly fit with one another. So it is said that in time they got no, separated, if you will. No, so the, 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 the earth divided into different parts, different con continents, different countries, different societies. Hmm? But again, and we may say, well, Krishna was born into Indian culture, but that's not true. That was not India at that time. According to the Puranas, hmm, the whole earth was not known as India, but was known as Bharat Barsha, as you know, Bharat Bhumi, hmm, which is the official name for India. Hmm. But again, wh whatever we may think of Indian, that's a point also. Some of, some of the things that we may think of Indian actually were common to all cultures of the world hmm, at that time. Because again, there was much more unity in that sense. For example, in Greece, in Egypt, Israel, different cultural sensibilities common to all those places. Of course, again, thousands of years ago, those countries did not have that name. But all these cultures have, for example, simple dress, like some cloths wrapped around their body, and things like this. I won't speak about clothes in detail today. That's a whole separate chapter. <laughs> but the point again, and sorry if I'm pounding too much the post, but I think it's important to, to get this clear, that we need to become aware on one level or another according to our specific stage about the necessity of at least being aware, respecting, not deriding uh, these cultural sensibilities that are part of the Lila, ultimately. And in practice, see how much one can uh, in incorporate those in one's life so one is gradually preparing one's consciousness and develop one's sense of identity in the Lila in that direction. In, for example, in the Raghavarma Chandrika, maybe you remember uh, in, in our series, previous series, we studied that book. Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur also describes in the last part of the book, second part, seventh prose, in order to enter Krishna's pastimes in Golok Vrindavan, the Raganuka Sadaka has to enter into the womb of the gopi. When on, on earth, on Bhoma Vrindavan, Krishna is manifesting the Lila there, he will enter there, 
and from day one in birth he will receive bhakti samskars and will become acquainted with the cultural sensibilities of the Raj. And because he said, without taking such a birth, why can one cannot get proper acquaintance with Krishna's human-like pastimes? So that expression has to do with all the details that include society, social issues, cultural issues. Because again, the point is, ideally you have to be born in a particular social structure with certain customs that make the Lila. The Lila, again, is very specific. And Krishna behaves, as I said, according to the ideals of traditional Vedic culture. So ideally, we have to learn this if we are interested in a relationship with Krishna in Lila, with Gaur in Lila, Mahaprabhu in Nadia, the similar, similar thing. So again, this is a very specific path. And gradually, again, gradually, as much as we can, we should be very clear about our, our goal. Because the goal is so specific that of course if something is very specific gradually we should have very clear in our mind which are the details of such a specific goal. So this is a very specific path, a very specific goal, and we should gradually become acquainted of all that. And, the, and that practice that will take us towards that goal of course has to be done here. Now we cannot like bypass it. And of course with this I'm not implying this is a different thing that, that those that say you have to be born as Indian, in order to obtain salvation or all of this nonsense. I'm not saying that. No, try to separate one thing from the other. So, these points have to do with the idea of Vaishnava etiquette, because again, some of us may feel some of those points that merely uh, cultural, relative, prop coming only from India, So, and we may reject them. Or, I mean, we, we could say, let's say, and, and we have some, there was some discussion these days in one forum, in one Facebook group, Guru Mahesh, my Guru Mahesh was also present there, I was invited to be there. So some interesting points came there. Um, but we could say that the, the Vaishnava etiquette, which again includes many details of um, Vedic culture, could be followed, let's say in three levels, if you want to call it Kanishta Madhyam Uttam, for terming them in some neophyte, intermediate, and uh, superlative way. So in the first level of following, all these details will be the classical Niyamagraha that I described last class. Now, you just accept all the things and you become fundamentalist and fanatical. Now, I have to wear a dot, I have to have the till, I have to shave my head, I have to eat with this hand, I have to look in this way, I have to... But you don't have an idea why. No, you are just doing very literally in a very literal way, copy-paste without proper understanding. So you are following the, the etiquette, Vaishnava etiquette, all the advice, but again, externally. So that's the neophyte level. Intermediate level will be like, as my Guru Mahesh will say, interpretative level. So you may say, okay, there are all these advices, but also we have Indian culture, Vedic culture, we are not following Vedic culture, we follow Gaudiya Vedanta, so we concentrate on the essence and we try to separate detail from principles. But still we are not so focused about the ultimacy of Lila and the necessity of those details yet. We are mainly now concerned about not being fanatical, not being Niyamagraha-like. So we may say, okay, there are cultural details 
and, and we are in a separate, in the different culture, we have to adapt our psychology, DNA in the present situation, not to be dysfunctional. And, and there's a place for that. Of course, I'm not against that at all. <laughs> and because Krishna says that it is not so easy to, to, to modify your nature, your acquired nature, your psyche, your DNA in this particular lifetime. So basically try to connect that, no? May, imbibe that with bhakti. So there's a place for that. But there's the higher consideration, if you will, is what I, we have been sharing, is all those rela- so-called relative cultural details are part of the lila in the context of Raga Bhakti. As Raga Bhakti, we understand all such so-called relativity are crucial details in the ongoing dynamics of lila. So we, we start to pay attention to them again, but from a different part, side, not as a neophyte did, just making like following blindly, if you will. But understanding, okay, yes, Krishna is not Indian, but Krishna is not, and Krishna is not following Indian culture. He is not Western as well. <laughs> he follows Varna Ashram in the context of the Lila. Krishna himself eternally established that. He says that in the Gita, Chatur, Banyam, Mayashristam, Guna, Karma, Vivagas, etc. So from that side, we can also embrace some of those, or, or all of those principles. What, whether we speak about Vaishnava etiquette or whatever. Let me share one line, nice uh, quote that my Guru Mahesh shared, uh, I think, two days ago in the context of this online uh, discussion, in this connection. And, and he spoke about a little bit about that yesterday for the ones who were in his uh, Q&A, Sunday Q&A session. So basically he said, Gaudiya Vaishnavism is both broad, broad and deep. Hmm? He's speaking here about Mahaprabhu's dispensation. It has two sides, the breadth and the depth. So concerned with what to wear, no? in this context he's speaking about clothes, but we can extend to everything we were speaking about. Concerned with what to wear in the here and now with regard to personal comfort and also to attracting others per- pertains to the tradition's breadth. Concerned with the poetic descriptions of the dress of Krishna and his associates, with the spiritual desire to enter his lila pertains to its depth. So again, we will speak about clothing later in other talks. But I think this is an important consideration to have, not to overemphasize one thing nor the other, because we may, of course, pound on the post, it is necessary for lila, that will help you. But again, who is ready for lila and who is ready to even start to contemplate that on that level? So many may not be ready for that, but at least we should respect that and know at some point those details will be important. Maybe nowadays, first of all, I need to accommodate myself in other terms, but it's not that I will dismiss those things altogether. So it's important, again, to, to say what I, what I mentioned. Now, when we say traditional Vedic culture, it's not nowadays Indian culture. That's not Vedic culture. That's very culture, but mixed with unending strands of <laughs> other cultures. Muslim invaders, British invaders, and so many other things. No? So we should separate. No? Sometimes my Guru Mahesh shared that, that idea. No? Like when Prabhupada in India was doing like this, and the devotees said, okay, that's the spiritual way of saying 
yes, I'm proud, but it's a spiritual person, so he's saying that. And eventually they went to India and they realized everyone is doing that. <laughs> no. So also, even if some detail is part of the culture, it doesn't mean that we have to overextend that, over-glorify, if you will, that expression to a level that is not necessarily proper in my stage. Hmm? So I think the, a, a great problem nowadays in this connection, because there are many devotees who oppose to this idea strongly, uh, who really feel we have nothing to do with India, we have nothing to do with anything that may resemble that, and they re dismiss that altogether and not give just a place as even in the prospect of eternity. So again, the problem should can be in great part that begins at least with in the Western mind or the modern mind when Vedic culture is labeled as Indian. That's a very crucial point because that makes Vedic culture that looks as part of a history which belongs to some region called India and so on. But as we have tried to explain, Vedic culture, strictly speaking, is created, invoked by Bhagavan himself, is eternal, it exists forever in the Leela, and manifests in this world in certain places, and of course in time may become diluted and so on. And on the other side, we are here, us, in, in, a, in a modern civilization, modern culture in the West especially, but also in India. India has more West than many other countries. And we are identified with that, as I mentioned. Uh, we have not transcended the, the Upadis or the designations that came as a result of being born in the Western culture, which eventually are to be transcended properly. And when I say transcended, I'm not saying, again, rejecting, but integrated into higher synthesis, as I always mention. Mm -hmm. Because we, that, that's a very important point. We are, we are Western-born, most of us at least. But we, we, are, we were met. We didn't find, but it found us, Bhakti philosophy. Philosophy that speaks about the soul and the super-soul and, and what's beyond even the super-soul, the super-super-soul, Bhagavan. But some of us may have not yet fully resolved our, I don't know, gender issues. Or, or emotional issues on a more basic level. Many devotees still like getting divorced more than non-devotees sometimes. Or they might, not, not always, of course, but I, my point is sometimes we may have a very high theology and that can be very dangerous because we may, without realizing that even, like rest on that, become lazy in, in paying attention to other more relative details that we need to solve as humans or as Westerns or as whatever you may like in order to be able to fully take advantage of the high theology of Gaudiya Vedanta and the cultural sensibilities of the Leela. That's a high thing. No? And, 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 and we may speak about that, but we need to walk the talk, as we say. So we are trying to practice bhakti with all that it implies but we also need to work on, on these other cultural details, not only the cultural ones in the Lila, but the cultural ones in this Shristi Lila we are in yet. You know? So we should know how to understand everything and, and, and adapt everything according to our person condition. In the Bhagavatam, there is one expression in this connection. In first canto, when, when Bhishma is, appears there in the ninth chapter. So in the ninth verse of this chapter... Bhishma is called Deshakala Vibhagavit. Hmm? Deshakala Vibhagavit, which means 
he's a bit he's a knower of desha kala and vibhaga vibhaga means differences and desha kala desha means place kala means time another way of saying desha kala patra but here he's speaking about someone who knows the differences no? according to where you were born in which time of the history so many differences are there so bishma was desha kala vibhagavit Similarly, in the Bhagavatam, in fourth canto, that term is used again, eighth chapter, Deshakala Vibhagavit, when Naramun is encouraging uh, Dhruva, Dhruva Maharaj, to be a knower of the differences in place and time in his service to Krishna. So we should develop those attributes. And this applies, of course, it starts to extend to many other things. Sometimes with the idea of Vedic culture also comes the role of the, of the ladies, of the woman. And of course, we, we may speak about that. But sometimes we may read, for example, women are less intelligent. No? Someone has said that here and there or whatever. Even if you read that, the point is, you should know time, place and circumstance. <clears throat> because there is a place for that. In which sense? In which relative sense? If, for example, a woman... Uh, if I say women are less intelligent in a society where women are not educated, that may be true. The fall. But the same statement will not be true in a society where women are educated. So sometimes those things happen. No? Sometimes scripture may say something 5,000 years ago and now it's a totally different sense. And we should know which was the time, which was the circumstance, why it was said. But it has nothing to do with... <laughs> Being again this, against this or that. Hmm? So, and, and the word tradition here is also important. We follow a tradition, we say, we follow the Gaudiya tradition. Tradition in, entails the conception of something like ancient, hmm? but not necessarily that means that it's uh, like stopped in time. Hmm? Especially if we speak about Gaudiya Vedanta, Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we are speaking about the live, very live. A live tradition, dynamic, progressive, ongoing tradition. All this connected to the principle of revelation, an ongoing affair, parampara. It's like a dialogue that is evolving till nowadays. That's the nature of the Bhagavat, as my Guru Maharaj will say. We have Chaitanya Bhagavat, Srimad Bhagavatam. There is one empty page for you to fill that with your own Bhagavat chapter story, with your own life of service. That's the concept of the Bhagavad, Bhagavad Parampara. And all this should be applied according, yes, to time, place, circumstance that we are now. So regarding Vaishnava etiquette, of course there may be some relative adjustments to some relative details, but there is no change in the absolute foundation of the motivation behind those details. So again, we are not, when I'm saying all this, I'm not just promoting Vedic culture and we should burn modern culture and we should deny our present DNA or whatever. Of course, that has to be transcended properly and, and, and Vedic culture has to be understood properly in the context of Lila, but we are not against I mean, modern culture. If, if not, we, we, were, we wouldn't be able to have this conversation be assumed now. <laughs> so let, let me just almost conclude by sharing some other words from my Guru Maharaj that I found very compelling. To share here, I also shared this, them in, in, in this recent exchange I was telling you about regarding hmm, how to deal with culture hmm, and, 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 and that in, that, in a dynamic way. Hmm. So he says like this, 
Not all modern insects are inherently bad. Furthermore, while we are not advocates of modern society, we are in many ways a product of it and inextricably entwined with it. Kali Yuga is epitomized by hypocrisy. Should we refer to ancient Vedic culture with regard to one specific issue and condemn modern society, while at the same time eat the technological fruits of modern society? We are not for destroying the present and returning to what we think was the past. We are for the future drawn for what, from whatever is valuable from any time and offered by anyone. What is Gaudiya Vaishnavism? What is Krishna Consciousness? We need to understand this. It is not an institution of various rules and regulations. It is the spirit of divine love expressing itself with new light. We want new light, not a dredging up of the past in an attempt to do away with the present that we feel we cannot deal with. If the past of the so-called Vedic culture is the thesis and the modern, present modern world is the antithesis, we are interested in a synthesis. We are not interested in tearing down the present, but rather in building the future, building a bridge to the future which can carry all souls across the ocean of material existence. Hmm. So I think this is very, these are very crucial considerations in order to balance all that I have been saying. <laughs> no. No. What's the role of Vedic culture? What's the role of so-called Vedic culture, modern culture? We in the midst of all that, and according to our particular stage in sadhana. Hmm. Well, we should preserve the spirit of the tradition, in the context of Vaishnava etiquette, as we are explaining, as something that is giving authority to our practice, because it's not just a new age speculated product created by someone, but it's the result, as I said, of the whole Renaissance movement, Mahaprabhu, Bhagavat, a whole renaissance of the old Vedic law, if you will, which is nonetheless Aporuseya, which is revealed by God himself, totally divine. So, and of course, this is not about only following the stuff outwards, outside, but internally, and naturally that will affect us inside. Shilasya Maharaj will say once that Krishna is independent, he cannot be confined to one bank of the Ganges or the other, hmm? nor he can be imprisoned within the walls of any institution. So Krishna, of course, is there where there is sincere pursuit. Hmm? And that's what Vaishnava etiquette is all about, ultimately. But again, if there is sincere pursuit, also we will be open to know what's pleasing to Krishna, we will follow that accordingly with proper understanding. Hmm? So in conclusion, just before finishing and asking if you may have any questions, of course, um, these rules of Vaishnava etiquette that we may officially starting to share, some of them starting from next lecture, they are also something dynamic. And there is a certain place for some uh, adapting them according to time, place and circumstance. But also there is, we will find in these rules, at least most of them, <laughs> Uh, some deep common sense, some deep type of, if you will, universal intuition. Hmm? Like what, what I say sometimes, universal intuition, I mean, something that we have never thought about that, but when we hear about that, we feel, oh yes, of course, it should have been like this. It makes total sense, but we have never thought about that by ourselves. Hmm? 
So there has to be this type of sensitiveness in, in, in understanding these rules. And for example, just one random example, and of course we will see this in detail starting from next class, but Vaishnava etiquette will recommend do not walk on the shadow of your guru. So one may say that's a weird issue. No, <laughs> no I, I cannot just... Why? But the point is, try to go to the sensitive side of the equation. If I have affection for someone, a real affection for someone who is not only someone in my life, but the one, <laughs> that person is everything to me. Even his shadow, her shadow, will be sacred. So on following that sensibility, I won't walk onto that shadow. So you have to understand something that may appear externally as a weird rule, is if feel internally with such a affectionate uh, sensibility, if properly understood. Mm -hmm. But sometimes also, mm -hmm. we may find some rules in Vaishnava etiquette that we may not find further explanation. Mm -hmm. For example, it is say that ideally if you offer dandavat, if you fall like a rod to the floor, to the deity, for example, you should not wear up, up clothes, no? A kurta, of course, if you are a man or whatever, no? T-shirt, you should be without clothes outside. So one may ask, how scientific is that principle? No? That there may be an offense if you offer dandavat wearing your kurta. And, and the point is that sometimes also this is... Again, this has two sides. Okay, there is some sensibility there, there is some common sense, some universal intuition, but also there may be some rules that we may not have the, the more detailed explanation as to why it's like that. And, and that's interesting also to accept that sometimes things will be like this. Krishna likes something and you may not ask why to everything. To everything at least. I'm not saying that everything will be like this, but to some of those things. Not necessarily every devotional principle will have a I don't know, scientific background. We have to say that we have two sides in our brain. One is logical and the other one is emotional. And we make decisions on the basis of both. You know? So of course some of our decisions are rational, some others are emotional. Some of our actions are rational, some of them are based on emotions. And, and of course, as my Guru Maharaj always says, between rational and emotional decisions, mostly the emotional side wins, you know, overtakes the whole issue. We may say, yes, I know, but I feel. You know? <laughs> and here we are speaking about love, you know, as a goal, bhava, which is not rational. Again, it's not irrational, it's transrational. But the point is, sometimes we need to put our brain on one side. Jan prayasudapasya namantaeva, and put our head to the ground. So we are, we are trying, love is not rational, we are trying to follow the path of love. So the point is, do not expect everything to be rational, everything to be perfectly satisfactory to the necessity, the demand of your head. If you love somebody, you will do whatever is pleasing to that person, and will, you will try to avoid what irritates that person. Again, that will be the rationale behind, in this case, not doing dandavat pranam with kurta. Again, most of the rules in Vaishnava etiquette are mostly common sense and understandable, but you may find some of them which come as the test for us to, well, if Krishna comes and says, I like bananas in this way, there's no point of asking, but why? 
I need an explanation of why it's that. And he will say, because I like like that. It's my personal taste. And we are to honor that. So I mentioned this as the last point to give place to that possibility, not only in Vaishnava etiquette, but of course in our daily life as well. And sometimes we stop our head in that point, we put the head to the ground, and we will receive much more knowledge by that than trying to understand and putting everything through the filter of our brain. So, some words I want to share with you today about Vedic hmm, culture, Vaishnava etiquette, and of course, this was some type of interlude, if you will, between last cl previous class and next one. And next class I will, I will continue speaking more about how to deal in our relationship with the sadhus, with Sri Guru, and so on. So, uh, I don't know if there are any questions. I will, we have some minutes. I will allow you to, there you can, if you want, you can unmute yourself and present any question you may have or share it via chat in a written form. I you to, um, that quote that you, that you, Which quote? That quote, the quote? Well, when you were speaking about, I think it was with Guru Maharaj that had been talking about, the, um, to you personally. Which quote, the, which quote, the one I read just at the end? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ah, Okay. I will I will copy paste and share in the chat. I took it from one sangha years ago, so I cannot tell you uh, the exact link or something. But I can share this with you, and of course you can look for that in, in greater detail. <coughs> Brigupad. Uh, Devi Patidas. Oh, Devi Patidas. Sorry, I yeah. similar voice. Thank you so much. I, I would like to that you give me one uh, short uh, counsel. Uh, most probably you remember from yesterday when Guru Maharaj was uh, replying to my answer regarding these levels of uh, like uh, where we are now. So he mentioned uh, Madhurya Kandabini books, book mm -hmm. like where it is uh, explained everything. Mm -hmm. So I watched and I found <coughs> some some uh, translation of it. But uh, as I went through a little bit, I understood that the level of the text is for my present level of concentration, very high. <clears throat> in, as I, I have no concentration to, to, to go into that. I feel now a little bit awkward in a sense. I got some kind of instruction or some like hint. There some can, something can be find, found. So what should I do? Should I do like this Brahmana who took this Bhagavad Gita, but he did not read, but he tries. So should I take Madhurya Kandambini and I start to read it? If mm. I understand, if I have concentration or whatever, and in this way, like, uh, to try to satisfy Guru, or this, according to you, is not so crucial that I read this book, but uh, something else. What, how to think about mm. this reply that I got? Yeah, uh, and which was, the, which was the edition that you found, just to know? I'm curious. Uh, uh, this this is interesting. I uh, I'm very little but uh, little bit acquainted with where to look exactly. I, I typed there and there was some ISKCON different books whatever. Mm. I never read some like books other than Shila Prabhupada's uh -huh, books. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. So I I also never uh, exactly sure which one to pick or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, actually, I will say that Madhurya Kadambini is a very important book. 
and it's strictly speaking is a very basic one not a very basic <laughs> but not the most advanced book especially regarding the the work of of its author Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur I will say that's one if not the most uh, introductory one book written by Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur so you can imagine about the other books <laughs> their content but I think it's a nice book and I think the devotee, like you especially, if your Guru Maharaj was given the instruction to read it and to study it, you have the blessings to do so. So there, those blessings are there to help us reach the meaning of the book. But I understand, I don't, I'm not sure, that's why I asked which was the edition, because I, I think that there are some other editions which could be more easily to understand. Uh, so you can also remind me about my private message and I can share you some PDF of that. But something that comes to my mind, especially regarding how to address Madhuri Kadambini in a comprehensive way, user-friendly way, something that I will strongly recommend to you and to whoever uh, has not yet read the book, is to go through the series of um, presentations that Dulal Chandra Prabhu has made in YouTube. He has a YouTube channel and he still is doing that. There are almost he published more than twenty or thirty. I don't remember, but he's going through all the different parts of the book and following some well-known commentary to that. And he's really presenting in a very nice way with in PowerPoint with images and words. And I think that makes it very user-friendly. Uh, meanwhile, I'm speaking. I think maybe I'm asking if someone could just share, or I may do it. No problem. I will continue speaking to you meanwhile, but I'm sharing. I'm looking for the uh, for the link, no? some link in in YouTube, so you can enter there. And I think that will be a very and, and you are studying the book, no? Because in in that book there is, a, I mean, he's not skipping any section of the book, so that will be a very a very interesting way of of approaching it. So I will I will recommend strongly. Here I'm sharing with you the link of his channel. In, I'm sharing publicly, so whoever may like to share. And there you will find those videos of Madhuri Kadambini. Mostly all the videos in that channel are from this series. So I hope that helps. Yeah. Thank you very much. No, no, thank you. Okay. Some other question before finishing? Maharaj, it's kind of around here. Yeah, I can run. Jai Maharaj. Um, so you're talking about, um, it's a little bit off the subject maybe, but you're talking about like in our future, like aspiring to take birth um, more in, in a Krishna Leela or in Lord Chaitanya's pastimes. Um, and while that, that may be some births ahead in the future, should one, like as a, as a sadhaka, should one aspire to develop like the knowledge and skills that would be there, like for instance, if we hope to like take birth in Lord Chaitanya's pastimes as a Brahmin boy, would it benefit us to like study grammar and logic, or mm -hmm. uh, if we want to take birth in the Goloka, you focus on cow protection? And do those things like apply to us currently? Is that mm. or should I, I realize that bhakti should be our essential? focus, but uh, are those things also good? Are those things secondary or beneficial? Mm, yeah, that's a nice question. 
Well, I I will give it. I will say in great terms, yes and no. No, in the sense of, for example, I don't know. We hear that certain devotees in the lila have certain services. Let's say some some devotee. Let's go to Braja Lila for a minute, where you will find a little bit more of variety of possibilities regarding identity. And I don't know. Some gopi will be singing or reciting poetry or whatever, cooking. And we know there are certain preparations that are being made in the Golok. So the point is, it's not that, uh, let's say, <laughs> okay, I, I have to learn poetry here and now, because if not, I will go there and I won't know how to rhyme the verses properly and so on. I mean, many of those things will come from their own. And, and I will say also, we have this intermediate birth, as you know, in the in the Bhoma Lila of Vrindavan. No? So there is also this preparation field according to what's going on in the ultimate Golag Vrindavan. No? Uh, so my point is, you, you can be born, as Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur said, you are born from the womb of the gopi, and from day one you are totally enveloped by this particular culture. And at that time you already have Prem. At least that's the the rule. Of course, you may be born in just whenever Krishna Lila is going on, and you happen to be born there. And if you will, you are not having prem. That's another case. But my point is, you may have prem, so you have an affinity, strong, clear, established, eternally, etc. But some other details will appear there in the context of the lila. So maybe, let's say here in this lifetime you achieve prem. Let's give an example, and. And in, in the context of Prem, of course, Prem is something specific. It's not just Prem. It's Sakya Prem, Madhurya Prem, and a specific variety of that. And you will have a spiritual identity developed with spiritual uh, personality and taste and affinities according to Sangha and inspiration. So even though in this lifetime that you achieve Prem, let's say, and, and you, you project yourself to be a cover boy and you want to learn the, the, all, the, all that it is about, let's say, it's not that necessarily you you had to do that in this lifetime. I'm not saying that's wrong at all, but let's say you were, for any reason, you were not able to become an expert in cow herding in this lifetime, but you are re you to reach Prem. So next lifetime, you will be born in the Boma Lila, you know, in the womb of a gopi, as a gopa, and you will be born in a family of cow herders, in a town of cow herders, <laughs> so whatever detail was not learned in the previous lifetime, that will be in place there and, and that will play itself out for eternity. So, and with this I'm not saying, so you we don't need to concern about that at all. No, that's not like that. It can become also an udipana and a stimulant in our present life of sadhakas, but also we see so many examples in devotees. And they are devotees, as you say, who may learn grammar and Sanskrit and Bengali. And I think that's nice, but again, not everyone will have the or the time or maybe even the intellectual capacity to to learn a language like Sanskrit or, or, or Bengali. And that's not disqualifying them from entering the Lila. But for those who have that facility, that may help them in some way. Of course, that may also become an obstacle. You can become proud because you are a pandit. <laughs> Everything can happen, but if there is the proper approach to that you can of course be learning I, I was the other day speaking with one uh, devotee who lives in Vrindavan who is a pandit Sanskrit pandit 
Bengali Pandit and many other languages Pandit. Very, very, very nice devotee. And I was sharing that I was trying to starting because my Guru Maharaj gave the, the express. It would be nice if you le- learn Bengali. And I and I liked and I like languages. Of course, I don't have full time to just dedicate myself to that. But I shared with him that, and he said, "Oh, that's nice. If you have that affinity and that instruction, that will help you to build some sense of identity in in your projection in the lila and so on." So he connected my learning of a language with that point. Not 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 just you are learning the language and now you know Bengali, but that if you do that properly, you may get some special feeling for the Nadia Lila in this case. But again, it doesn't mean that if you don't know Bengali, there is no chance for you to do that. So that's why I'm saying it's not like black or white, everyone should do this, or you shouldn't do that at all. It can be there, but even if you, for any reason, you didn't learn whatever, the basics of language, of cow herding or whatever, service you didn't learn to play the bina let's say <laughs> but maybe you we are born as a manjari and you will play bina for radha and krishna you didn't learn to be born in south india and learn bina in this lifetime or next one you may be born in boma lila and, and with the association of nitya siddhas become acquainted of those arts and of course that learning will happen in a different dynamics now of course krishna learned the 64 arts in 64 days that's Krishna, yes, for sure. <laughs> but also, if we have Prem and we are born in the Boma Lilas, of course, learning will also, there is place for learning to happen in a quite magical way, if you will. No, it's not necessarily you have to take the lessons and practice for hours. And we are speaking here in terms of spiritual uh, arts, spiritual service. So the learning will come from, you have already Prem, so... There's lots of magic there as well. <laughs> so I will give it open for, for those possibilities. But again, if, if someone has that affinity now in this lifetime and feels whatever, I have, I may have, one may feel I have affinity for Sakya Rasa and, and I like cow herding. So I, I think that may help me. I mean, of course, there, there's a place for that. You can transform that activity, which is not necessarily bhakti, as we know, Although it's mentioned in the Bhakti Angas, but not, not necessarily as Swarup Siddha Bhakti. But you can convert that as part of, of a crucial aspect of, of your Bhakti also. And etern- in eternity you will be quite engaged in that for sure. <laughs> so, so that will be my answer. No, I hope that may help a little bit. Yeah, that's very helpful, Maharaj. Thank you. It's a, not, not black or white. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And... Um, one thing I was thinking, just just a quick comment the, the other day, that like Guru Maharaj says, we go through this lifetime as a sadhaka, and we in our next lifetime, so some of the burdens that we carry now uh, will be left behind with this body, and I guess our next body type, our next psychophysical makeup, will be more conducive for being a sadhaka. That that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that fully, of course. So we should be patient, and even if our present psychos, psychophysical condition is not the best, I mean, it's it's a process, gradually, gradually everything. It's part of karma, I mean, to have this particular body, this particular mind, is, is part of our prarabdha karma, so gradually that will take a, a more upgraded form, if you will, eventually. No? But 
we have to take to use that as best as we can and and, and that will attra attract so much blessing so it's okay yeah okay so there is one more question by uh omkar so i, I will uh address that one and we may finish with that he's saying i want to ask about the use of the word hindu use of this word seems to be a taboo for some whereas guru maharaj uses it a lot is it because of context at public so if I have to answer in a brief way, my answer will be yes. <laughs> it's a pretty uh, contextual thing, of course. Mm -hmm. So you again, as I mentioned before, we have to become Desha Kala Bibhagavit, knowers of the difference between time, place, and circumstance, which means audience, audience. For some person, the word Hindu will be misleading. For other person, it will be clarifying. For other person, it will be enough. For other person will be too much, too less. So sometimes, and, and it, this is a thing. Now sometimes you are walking in the street and people say, "What's your religion or what do you do?" Or they may ask you even, "Is this a religion or a philosophy?" And just, and I, in my case, before answering them, I start to interrogate them first because they say, "Is this religion or philosophy?" And I ask them, "Tell me your understanding of what's religion and philosophy first. Because if not, I cannot tell you, yes, it's a religion. Who knows what's your idea of religion? Or I tell you, yes, it's a philosophy. I don't know your idea of that. I'm, it may be misleading. So first you describe to me your idea of religion, your idea of philosophy, and I will tell you, according to your idea, we are that, we are not that. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I, and also generally most people sometimes just curious because, curious, curious, sorry, by seeing yourself with this weird clothes in the street and they just want to satisfy their curiosity on a level now they do not want to to, to learn the details of Gaudiya Vedanta <laughs> because sometimes you may want to be more specific but the person is not willing to hear that so you may say yes are, are you Buddhist and you may say no <laughs> some in Hinduist Hindu no Hindu sometimes has to do with Hinduism and of course Hinduism is still a very generic thing to say because so many things are there but for some people, it's enough. No? I mean, it's, it's enough. Okay, not, not Buddhist, of course, not Christian, not this. Okay, you are Hinduist. So thank you so much. See you later. And the person will leave. But of course, if the person wants to know more, you have to go beyond the Hindu uh, term. But again, in, in general terms, we, we may present ourselves at that. Not because we are born in India. But this is a tradition that is, of course traditional link with India, but as I mentioned today, it's not India as we know of it now. But again, for explaining all these details for a bypasser in the street, it may be too much. If someone is interested in knowing the details, okay, yes, there is Hinduism, there is uh, whatever, personal, impersonal, theistic, atheistic, so many darshans in India, and what's India, what's not India, and what's personal, and what's bhakti, types of bhakti, um, Finally, you will reach Raja Bhakti someday after the explanation. But generally, that will take time. Sometimes people tell me in the street, what do you what do? You do? Not regarding my practice. What's your practice about? And I just think, where to start? I mean, do you have one lifetime of time for me to explain you in detail? Because I cannot reply to that in five minutes. It's so, so specific, as we say today. <clears throat> but yeah. You, you have to, to judge. You may say to someone, I'm a Hindu, look at their face, and if their face is not smiling and, and being satisfied, 
you may you may need to clarify that and find another term. <laughs> so yeah, we need to be to become experts in knowing the differences of time, place, circumstance. That's a very uh, big commitment and big task for all of us. So that's part of our service to our sampradaya, our guru and Vaishnavas. So thank you very much to all of you for your time, um, questions, attention, presence. And see you, you next um, Thursday. We will continue entering more officially with different types of advice, uh, rules and love in our lives as sadaka, in this case in the context of our relationship with sadhus and guru. Sri hmm? Lagurudev ki jai, Sri Man Mahaprabhu ki jai, Sri Harinam Sankirtan ki jai, Sri Dwadasi ki jai, Gaur Bhaktavrinda ki jai, Gaur Primananda Haribo.